You're listening to the Living Inside Out podcast, and I'm your host, Tokes Aroture. This is episode 82. Welcome to the Living Inside Out podcast, where we believe we can only grow to the size the mind has stretched to. Episode 82 is Designing Dreams, Inspiring Stories of an Architect with Lisa Rains. How are you doing? I hope you have been well. In our part of the world, it is warm, it is hot, we are enjoying the summer. I hope it's the same with you, whatever the weather, wherever you are. Today I've got a guest, a businesswoman. I love talking to business people because they get it. You know, a lot of people have this vision or view of what entrepreneurship is and they see an incredible journey of challenges that are not really felt because the focus is on the wins and the triumphs and how they turned over multiple millions. But the truth is the journey is often hard and it is lonely there are wins, there are triumphs, but there's also tears as well. And I love talking to people who are passionate about their work and also open and authentic about their journeys. I'm sure you will love listening to Lisa as much as I enjoyed chatting with her. And don't forget to subscribe and give us a five-star rating. Talk to you soon. I'm going to introduce you to my guest today. Her name is Lisa Rains, and she is a seasoned architect with over two decades. Did you hear that? Two decades of professional experience in the industry. I'm not going to read her whole bio because I want her to tell the journey and the story herself. However, in 2009, she made the bold decision to establish her own practice. For me, that's huge because I should stop that. I should stop interrupting myself. I'll tell you why it's huge in a minute. Rain's architecture and in the face of a recession that was impacting the field, although the circumstances were challenging, Lisa turned this necessity into an opportunity and discovered that venturing out on her own was the best thing that could have happened to her career. And we're going to find out why. The reason I was interrupting myself was because there are some fields that I feel that you don't even want to try and do on your own. Like you have to be very corporate. You have to come under a major company and so on. And architecture falls under that for me. So Lisa, I am amazed and I'm impressed and I welcome you to Living Inside Out. <laughs> How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm really good. Excellent. <laughs> lovely to connect with you again it is lisa very kindly had me on her podcast pride road architects and um we had a great conversation and then we met up for coffee near the shop and then she did this do you know i totally forgot that you had done the recording of me in the shop and i just saw it on your stories the other day and thought oh oh that's me <laughs> so very you're gonna love her because she's full of life and at the same time, she's really laid back, like really, really laid back and really chilled. Um, but I loved meeting you, Lisa, and I can't wait to really dig in. Now, let's start with you telling us what really motivated you to establish your own architectural practice during the during the recession, not just at any time. Yeah. So um, like you said from the bio, uh, I qualified as an architect 20 something years ago. So it takes seven years to uh, train to be an architect. So that's the f first thing is it takes almost as long as 
be well same amount of time as qualifying as a doctor to be an architect then when you get into the industry it's uh, very male dominated and it's not um for me it wasn't very flexible okay uh, architecture is uh, as a profession is it's very fickle um and it's very as soon as there's a recession or anything like that architects are usually the first thing to get cut so if you're a pension company building you know you're about to build a, a new store um you know if you start struggling with mortgage rates you're just going to put that project on hold so straight away architects services go so when you're working for like city center companies and you've got a bit of a recession you know it's kind of like the market dies altogether um and so during so i've been made redundant twice on maternity leave wow Wow. On maternity leave. On maternity leave. I've got three kids. Yeah. I lost my job in the during my first maternity. Second child, it was the boom of like 2005. Um, so that was fine. You know, they were supportive and lovely. But then a 20, 2008 with the financial crash. Uh, I decided to 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 take some time off and have baby number three. He's not a baby anymore. Uh, <laughs> uh, he's a teenager. He's a good oh, We we both have a baby. Um, our babies are both um, that age. We're both. So he was born in two thousand and eight or two thousand and nine. Uh, two thousand nine. Okay, so he's thirteen now. Oh, bless. <laughs> I, know, I know. He's not. He's not sweet. Oh most of the time I see glimpses of it <laughs> yes, yes yeah honestly there's something about the last child honest that's just so they're just so precious <laughs> I think <laughs> us that are just holding on to the babyhood stage as long as we can like I don't want you to grow up do you feel like all boys I do yeah I've got boy girl boy <laughs> oh wow oh Anyway, so back on to my career. Yeah, so after I had Alfie, I took a year out uh, and then went back into practice. And then they made me redundant. Oh my gosh. So at that point, 50% of all architects lost their jobs. Wow. So I had no choice but to set up on my own. So that's why I set up uh, Reigns Architecture. But then... Once I'd started, I kind of, first thing that I did was I uh, tried to emulate the other practices that I'd worked for before. You know, I want to do, you know, kind of, uh, I want to do commercial. I want to do hotels. I want to do student accommodation. I want to do um, re uh, regeneration, you know, all these things. Um uh, but actually what happened was I got the smaller scale project. So I got like house extensions, mm -hmm. you know, a year into it, I got some old clients back um, who wanted me to do, you know, sort of like student accommodation. Okay. Um, and then I got a master plan 
Um, so I built my office up, mm-hmm. but one of the clients went under, so went bust, so didn't pay me. Another one, I was doing a master plan for the NHS and their payment periods was like 90 days. When you're trying to run a small practice with like that, you know, no cash flow or you've got no capital, you can't do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, but then what I did find was the smaller scale work. So the household extensions working for normal clients was went well. The clients were lovely. It was really nice to help individuals, not big corporations. And I could affect, I could help lots of people by just doing lots of small projects. Mm, and so very quickly, I really niched down. Mm. So it's about knowing and just focused on householders. And once I'd done that, I realized that um, there was uh, a market, massively underserved market, and that it was a good way of operating a business that worked for um, young families and kind of primary caregivers. Exactly. And also quite, it, it is logical. So it was a natural, it was a natural sway, I guess, if you like, into that particular space, because having tried to do it the way that you'd always known with the companies you worked for and it didn't work out. You just, it just really seemed like what, what was working for you was small individual families. And I bet you find it fulfilling as well. Love it. That's so good. Help, you know, you're making, or you're telling people, you know, um, straight off the bat, Mm. if something is not going to add value to their property, don't do it. That's so good. That's so good. And that's that's needed, you know, in the whole industry of building period um, where and small businesses, especially when pinched by the recession, there's always often the temptation with some companies to we don't care. Let's just make them place an order. We had a a customer. (laughs) She was expecting her baby and she ordered a cot and a chest from us. And, you know, our furniture is made to order and it takes eight to 10 weeks. Often it takes, it's a shorter period than that. And um, her furniture got ready. And then she emails and says, oh, Tox, I desperately need a changing unit. And um, I think, and the cot. And I said, oh, you want another one? She didn't even remember that she had ordered one previously, you know, and I mean, I could have assumed that she was going to use it in another room in her home and so on. But I had to clarify, what exactly do you need it for? And she was like, you mean I've ordered one? I didn't even realize I'd ordered one already. So it's, it's, um, it's nice when you get to work with individuals because your humanity is what leads, you know, and your authenticity is what gets you the clients because people can connect with you and then they get to trust you. And then you have that privilege of adding value to their home, to their lives, like you said. But I have a question. Mm-hmm. I want to go back to you've left, you've you've been made redundant for the second time. You've got a new baby. You have two other young children and you were made redundant and you know that that industry of architecture is hit quite hard during the recession what gave you the guts to say I'm going to start my own like what made you think starting was going to be the answer to being made redundant 
Well, I, I was the breadwinner. Mm. So I had to. I tried, you know, my, my ex-husband, uh, so the father of my children, um, he'd won a commission um, that had supported a year-long maternity, but that money was coming to an end. Um, and so I had to go back into practice or, you know, I had to go and work. Uh, and I couldn't find another yeah, I, I I must have applied for 15 jobs and didn't get any. I think I had about six interviews and there were just people interviewing for the sake of, there weren't actually jobs. Mm. And so I actually had to go and do it. Yeah. I, I couldn't see an alternative. I couldn't see, you know, um, relying on him to go out and get a job. Understood. Do you recall any of the emotions you had at the time? Do you recall what your mind was like? You know, was there trepidation? Was there fear? Did you feel confident? How did you feel? I'm asking this because so many people, especially in this economy, are at the cusp of something. Yesterday, it hit me that when we get to the crossroads, we find that, or we get to the edge of a cliff, we find that the cusp of success and the brink of failure feel very different, very, very similar Two Mm. very different things. And the, and what you believe and how much of an emotional person you are will determine whether you're going to allow yourself to fall into failure and stay there or Mm. soar and head in the direction of success. So do you remember some of the thoughts and the emotions you had at the time? It was quite a long time ago. So maybe if we just bring everything up to date and maybe there's a similar experience that we can, because at the moment I'm in a bit of a state of flux, actually. Mm. So um, at the moment I have uh, in my business, uh, we're a franchise business now. I mean, I also do um, sort of architecture work. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm sort of spearheading the sort of, uh, five franchisees around the country. And I've got, uh, two franchisees who, who joined sort of 18 months ago. And we're kind of at that point where it's, it's make or break. Mm. And if I let it carry on as it is, it's not going to work. So I've had to do some soul searching very, very quickly over the past couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Pull everything round, and um, it's it's pretty terrifying. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. So I've like gone out for you know I've just turned around and I just actually what I've found is recently is just expressing vulnerability has kind of made people want to help me Mm -hmm. whereas up till now I've been keeping really closed about everything yeah yeah now I'm just going hang on a second I need some advice 
you know, I can't, I can't carry on doing what I've been doing on my own because I've been running this franchise for seven years on my own. I haven't got a partner. No, I've got, you know, I've, I've got a romantic partner, but I haven't got a business partner. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I, I feel a bit isolated. So I've just gone, right, there is. And how do I move forward? What's the structure? You know, do I look externally for investment? Do I look internally for investment? Do I change the structure? You know, how um, do I kind of motivate um, uh, the two franchisees? How do we move it forward? And um, I kind of sort of stepped back into myself and I've developed a three-month um, intensive business overhaul. Oh, wow. Okay. And it's, and I've said, you know, this is what we need to do, you know, in order to step forward. I could just go, no, and what, you know, say, well, look, if you try X, Y, and Z, it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But no, we've gone for a three-month intensive business for business overhaul so you'll love it oh I can't wait (laughs) it's and the trick is is making everyone accountable and I've offered it um to my other franchisees as well so not just the sort of the 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 ones whose performance could do with being improved but to all of us Uh, and I'm doing the exercise myself okay so their daily tasks um, of like 90 minute, 90 minute marketing exercises every day. And I'm, we're doing it for three months. <laughs> it's quite long. That's so good. Yeah. So I'm kind of, we've just, we're, we're finishing week one this week I'm going on holiday next week um and then we'll pick it up but I've I've, I've set us that we're going to do kind of a uh, task for week two over the next couple of weeks mm-hmm. um but I can f- everyone's buzzing do you know what because you've given them hope that's why <laughs> so do they check in with you then with each other does everyone now say hey this is what I did that's really yes yeah, so absolutely. So we had a call yesterday, you know, um, and everyone's like showing what they've done and how they went around certain tasks. So the first task was to review kind of where our clients had come from. Okay. So we had like everyone had to take a map and like plot on where their clients were. And it was really interesting because to try and work out where we should be marketing physically so they everyone did it in different ways and I did mine off my spreadsheet I kind of like from my Zoho and my CRM and I put it onto Google Maps and um, imported it so they all you know it looked very fancy and everyone's like how did you do that wow and I'm like well, I kind of did this and I kind of did this and I went down a wormhole and I got completely distracted by technology and lost sight of what mm-hmm. we're actually doing. Whereas 
um sort of the others had got a physical map out and put you know yes and it's a different way of doing it and you know you get more clarity that way and so they're looking at me going how did you do it I'm like well my way didn't work you know (laughs) did you do it and that's what's great about it. You're kind of like seeing, sharing knowledge. Exactly. You share the knowledge and bounce the ideas of each other. Do you know there's there's something about being an entrepreneur when you don't have a business partner? I remember when I first opened our shop on Kings Road, right next to me was a children's clothing brand. This luxury children. So I thought this is perfect. They had only been open for three months when the baby coach shop opened next to them. So we're over there and it was run by three or even four friends, uh, all female. And I remember feeling so mildly envious of them sometimes. Like, wow, you guys have each other. Like you can go to work. You <laughs> Some of the crazy thoughts I had there, I've got to confess some of them. I remember one of them shared photos of her. She was away on holiday. And I was like, you go on holiday? <laughs> you can go on holiday? <laughs> I've taken solo breaks by myself that I couldn't even relax because I was so stressed. (laughs) It was pointless. Like I got there, it was a case of, okay, I've got this one space to worry in as opposed to, you know, where I struggle to be productive. But they have them having each other where the shop closes at six o'clock and they lock the shop. And I just knew that when they left that shop, they were all going straight home and they were leaving all their worries in the shop. Whereas I took mine wherever I went because it was just me. So it's it's um it's very it's great that you're doing this exercise with your franchisees because they uh they they it's nice to have that opportunity to bounce ideas of each other and if something isn't working, someone else can can pitch in. So that's really, really. That's- yeah, I think it's going to be so we're, we're going to be talking every week now. Um, and I've I made them made. I made sure that they set up a date to speak to each other whilst I'm away. OK, OK, that's good. Um, and, and we've got a WhatsApp feed. Um, and it's been quiet for months and all of a sudden it's like bing, bing. all of a sudden wow. so you guys are like a like a family that sounds so nice we're a pride of lionesses you see oh, oh, oh that's where we came from I love that oh. that's why we're a pride yeah <laughs> lions lionesses, lionesses. Yeah. Well, that's why you're a pride. I actually just thought that it started on Pride Road, you know. No, like... no, no, no. no. <laughs> okay, good to know. Yeah, it was a proper like marketing branding exercise to come up with that. That's so good. No, that's yeah. awesome. And it also talks about the pride that people feel about their homes as well, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. Well, my um my first practice was called Rain's Architecture because that's what architects do. They call nice. themselves, you know, by then. But it's like Yawnsville. Mm. <laughs> I was going to scale. Um, that's where I needed uh, a name that wasn't specific to me that I could yeah. yes away from it. Mm-hmm. Very foresighted, you are, Lisa. So, so with you've got, you're going on holiday next week. Anywhere fun? Uh, we've got a canal boat. Oh, <laughs> the water. Hmm? 
You're going to be on water. Be on water. Yeah. It's awesome. That's so cool. So how then do you balance? Oh yeah, and it's it's half term as well. How do you balance the kids? <laughs> You know, because I, I I now rely on my children to tell me when it's half term. Like mm-hmm. I, don't, yeah, I can't keep up. So <laughs> how do you balance it all? How do you balance business, your professional and your family life? And has uh, it changed much compared to when you were working? I know that was a while back. Well, has it changed much? I said when you were working. I mean, when you were employed, like, like you're not working double time now. <laughs> I mean... Uh, the last time I was working in practice, I had kids that were in nursery mm. and school. Um, and so I kind of I was quite rigid about my calendar, about kind of when we do drop offs and collects and stuff like that. And actually, I'm still quite rigid with my calendar about, um, you know, kind of when I'm going to be working, when I'm not going to be working. So that's that's carried on through. So I've kind of made I have made my work fit around the kids' calendar. Um, it is better for like half term and holidays, or you know, because I can just block things out and go. No, I'm away. Absolutely, <laughs> I'm away. Can't do it. Gone. Early Friday closing. No. <laughs> And and because I work the I run the franchise as well, I have to block out my client calendar for the front, you know, for stuff. Um, and I use a very um a booking system, um, to control client appointments. But also, I might use it for lunch dates as well. It makes perfect sense. What system do you use? Calendly. Uh, I use uh, Zoho Bookings at the moment. Oh, okay, okay. CRM, but in the past I've used ten to eight or unschedule once. Well, that makes so much sense. I've never used Zoho Bookings, and yet we are on the Zoho platform. Ah, well, it's free if you if you're on a Zoho one. One, yeah. So it's an add-on. Do you, do you pay for Calendly? At the moment, I don't. I've only just started to use it, but I was. I'm a. I don't. I have to see because if Zoho Bookings integrates with our website, then I can just use that. Because I was going to use Calendly for the website. We're oh having God. a redesign done at the moment, so we're yeah. at the moment looking at um, apps and things that we're going to add on. So this is perfect timing. It's got a widget that you can put on the website. Perfect. Well, Zoho is the best, isn't it? Like I don't we every we use it for everything. Yeah, yeah. What do you use? Which bits of? We use the CRM, the Sales IQ for our website chats. Oh, uh, yeah, that's really good. Is it? So, yeah, it's really good. And of course, it's part of the, the it's part of Zoho One as well, so you don't need to pay for it. I have used the HR element of it, Zoho People. But yeah. I just couldn't keep up with it. And at the time, which was last year, I had five members of staff, but now we're all we've restructured and we're down to just well, I would say down to just one or we've restructured and we have a new person in. So um and what else do I use? Zoho, um, the CRM sales IQ, Zoho people, the emails, then obviously work 
drive all of the Excel and Word and all of that. Worked so her work drive. Yeah, work drive. So it's it's part of the the mail. So where you can you can it's a bit like Google. It's exactly like Google Drive. Yeah, their Google Drive version. So all of their Word documents, PDFs, CRM, Excel's, and so on are in there. Oh, yeah. Now I use Google Drive for that. Google Drive. Okay, a lot of people do use Google Drive. Yeah. Yeah. No. 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 It's it's good to hear. So I'm just thinking for the audience, if people don't know what a CRM system is, because they may not if they're just thinking. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's very true. So you tell us what a CRM system is. (laughs) (laughs) Since you brought up the question. (laughs) I'm such a control freak. I'm like, hang on a sec. Someone might be listening. There might be people who don't know. Okay, go on. (laughs) So a CRM, it's a uh, customer relationship. Uh, management system so um you know if you've got 10 people on a database you might just stick them on an excel spreadsheet um but or a google spreadsheet but if you've got them on a crm system then you can just track calls or appointments or projects or where things are up to so they kind of become a, a record and uh, you can do lots and lots and lots and lots of things with that. Absolutely. And and we use ours as well, like for, so our, our phone system, we use Ring Central for phone. So mm. when calls come in, it gets logged in CRM, but also mm. we get a pop up on our screen of who's calling. And we would have written notes prior that um, Susie's daughter turns five in may and we're like oh my gosh how is little bella she must be turning five soon and so it helps us to know our customers and and recognize them and we write little things about them in there you see so that um if we ever want because our business is very personal Mm. so if we wanted to send out a birthday card or christmas greetings or you know, and it helps you to keep track of all of their rec- all of their past orders and all of their conversations with us as well. So it's really, really good. And then if we've got uh, uh, emails, for example, we have urgent emails that are not being replied. Mm. We can send it out from CRM, and if you send it out from CRM, it tells you whether it was opened or not. So yeah. that's a good one. Yeah, well, we use it to send out newsletters, um, but also autoresponders. So we'll have a sequence of emails that go goes out mm-hmm. to clients. Um, you know, where where depending on where they are up to in the sales process or a project. It's good. It's really handy. It's handy. So you're listening. You don't have a CRM. You've never had one. Never thought about having one before. It's a it's a resource that that takes all of your customer information out of your mind and out of sticky notes that are stuck all over your desk, and it places it firmly in one central place where you can have easy access to it. And Lisa and I both use Zoho CRM. We use Zoho for everything. So yeah, HubSpot I think is one and. That's another well-loved. It's I've, I've used bits of HubSpot, but Hub, HubSpot, 
but never really taken it on. Have you used them before? No, I think I just went straight into Zoho. Okay. Never look back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you're right. Uh, yeah, that's that's a good one. Tell me bespoke systems. I'm like, no. Just... No. <laughs> no. Why complicate life? <laughs> yeah. oh. We could talk all day, couldn't we? <laughs> No, well, we could. And I can't believe that it's coming up to 10 minutes to the end of our conversation or even <laughs> as well. Okay. But let me let me skip through to a question. You mentioned at the start that architecture is a male-dominated mm-hmm. industry. What impact would you say you've had or Pride Road architects have had on women generally or female architects? Well, I hope, I hope it has. The franchisees that I've got uh, were really, they all came to me because they were struggling. Mm. So um, sort of first one came to me because she was trying to set up on her own and completely struggled and didn't know what to do or how to go about it. And she saw me kind of just everywhere, like speaking and branding and this and that and on the socials. She's like, how'd you do it? I'm like, ah, <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> Let me tell you. Ah. Number, one. number two came to me because she she was um she had issues at home with uh children with mental health issues, and so had to step away from architecture. Um to get because there wasn't yeah, the it wasn't flexible enough to give a time to spend with the kids. Mm. Um and so she ended up working in a library. Oh wow. Um on like part time I think. And then after a couple of years she was like hang on a minute. Mm-hmm. You know I need to have a qualification after seven years in architecture. <laughs> you know and and so she she googled mum architect and found me really yeah and then sort of number three had lost a confidence mm. been in the industry for for a while had uh tricky clients mm. lost just completely completely lost your confidence and it's really easy just to kind of get into a bit of a, mm. a sp- reached out for us wanted to be part of part of the pride oh you know and this is what we're doing it's like right okay come on (laughs) it's like come on let's do this (laughs) and um yeah that's amazing Lisa and so I think you know there's three that just wouldn't be going down this path anymore Mm. And now have done, or you know, two or three that, and you know, if it it it's a game changer, it, it really is a game changer. We were we were actually given, I was given an award. Well, I was recognised as a an AJ top one hundred disruptor, which is wow. Well done. Well done. <laughs> And that's exactly what you're doing. You are disrupting the industry. Mm-hmm. And may all of the pieces fly all over the place as you do so. I mean, I, <laughs> I like that. 
ends of the earth and people get to know and you go beyond the United Kingdom because absolutely it's not yeah it's not just a UK issue it is international it's worldwide it's uh, yeah I've been on podcasts in in America mm-hmm. and your podcast what's your podcast called because I know I said it earlier but I want to make sure it's coming from your mouth so it's the Pride Road Architects podcast. Um, in it, we talk about um, architecture as a career and as a business. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you want to hear about why people got into architecture or what their journey was um, or, you know, around um, how to run a business. So, you know, it is interesting if you're an entrepreneur or thinking of setting up whether architecture or anything else, any other industry. Um, so it's all about stories and talking to people, isn't it? That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. So if you haven't subscribed to Pride Road Architects podcast, you want to do so because I'm also on it. Lisa interviewed me a few weeks ago and we had a great conversation. So not just because of that, but I think what I've learned, I've learned a lot from you, Lisa, but I've also learned about thinking about thinking about the business and how we can go from it just being a business to to it being what in the Christian world we call it a ministry that means that you're serving people and mm-hmm. when I say that I don't just mean your clients I mean your franchises franchise are they there the zoos or the z's franchises <laughs> you're the franchisor so you know the fact that you're you were there for them at the time that you know you were you came into their lives at the time that they needed someone like you mm-hmm. and you're not just like especially for the two that are finding it tough in this season well you know just do your best and and see what happens but you're going out of your way to to help and to make sure and of course you're growing in the process as well so well done thank you if i was an architect i think i'd like to be a franchisee yay i'd <laughs> love Lisa thank you so much for coming on living inside out and I have put all of Lisa's details in the show notes so you can connect with her and she's at Pride Road Architects on Instagram as well and there is the QR code that you can see on the screen which I thought is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life and you can you can scan it and all of her stuff connects to it on was it blink yeah I'm using blink Okay. Well, thank you, Lisa. And thank you all for listening to Living Inside Out. Talk to you soon. Have a good day.